This episode of the Get Fast podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. You are joined, as always, by your host, Australian Ironman champion, Jared Donnelly, and I am Jordan Donnelly. In this episode of the podcast, we interviewed Steph Hansen, the founder of Wits Up, which is Women in Triathlon. Steph started in triathlon as an age group athlete and like most people who dare step across the line of a swim bike run event, she was instantly addicted. Uh, she went into a journalism path in triathlon and that led her to recognize uh, there are some trends in the industry that she wanted to fix, including uh, women's coverage in race reports um, and previews in comparison to the men's was poor. Female triathletes didn't get as much exposure as many of the men. The women's racing seemed to be an afterthought compared to the men. Uh, the male to female ratio uh, in terms of participation numbers was small um, and the barriers to entry for the sport were high for women especially. And so with her experience, passion, uh, observations and the drive, the idea of Witsup was formed, uh, witsup.com specifically. Uh, and the concept of Witsup is to provide an online and real life community for women in triathlon. And we had a great chat to Steph today and I will just say off the bat, Anytime you a gender inequality conversation comes up, it can polarize people, and that is not absolutely not the goal of this conversation. We want to get Steph on to promote uh, women in triathlon, and from her perspective, find out uh, things that's going on with Wits Up that she is doing well, the things that she wants to see improving, and she actually interviews a whole lot of the elite women in triathlon around the globe, uh, and that is you can learn such powerful lessons from that and I just want to make it really clear that this isn't a female versus male conversation at no point is Steph saying um, there's anything wrong with men she's just trying to promote women and I think that's a great um, a great thing that um, she really you know says a couple of times oh, this isn't anything against the men that, that not that they're doing anything wrong um, and I feel like that justification should be unnecessary no one should be listening and hearing that and going oh what about the men you know this is a, a conversation about women in triathlon and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and look, her passion comes across, which is fantastic. Uh, she is really uh, heavily passionate about her her cause, and and you know the way she's going about it. You know, in life, there are people who complain about things that they're not happy with, and then there are people who do something about things that they're not happy with, and that's the standout thing here. She's identified that she thinks things could be done better with uh, with particularly triathlon triathlon and the triathlon world and how males and females were being treated at races and and the differences um and she's just you know gone out of a comfort zone and and you know put her money where her mouth is and 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 gone into bat for for the imbalance that's that's you know clearly obvious in in uh in a lot of sport in the world and and she's doing a great job and we we really wanted to uh, give her the opportunity and uh, you know, to, to, to speak openly about where she feels, uh, she started, where she started at and where she's at now and, and what the future is, um, with, with, uh, you know, promoting women, uh, in sport in general and particularly in triathlon. Um, you know, and triathlon is such a, um, oh, a time consuming event and, and, you know, it's, it's so, so wrong to, to be thinking that, you know, women don't have every opportunity to, as an age grouper, a female age grouper to, to, you know, to do everything that they want to do with their work, with their family, just like the male should be with his work and his family and his passion or her passion. And this is, this is really evident that, uh, you know, it, it's just giving a platform for, for, for female triathletes to, to have a say and, um, and speak about the things that, uh, that they think that should be improved. That's spot on. It's uh, about an open conversation about tackling those stereotypes and why they don't need to exist. So here is Steph Hansen from Wits Up. Okay, we've got Steph Hansen from Wits Up on the podcast. Steph, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Well, yeah, I want to start right off the bat by asking, how did you fall in love with triathlon? Ooh, um, I will do my best. I'm notorious for saying long story short. So if I say that, <laughs> Just be warned yeah. to get popcorn. Um, I fell in love with, I came from a team sport background and I actually moved from Tassie to Melbourne because I wanted to play Australia for, sorry, wanted to play softball for Australia. Um, and I actually hurt my back in the first or second game that I, that I ever played here. And 
through it was three disc bulges and through that rehab I started cycling and swimming um, and my physio at the time was involved in triathlon. He went to the Noosa Tri every week, uh, every year. And I just, it just became this progression. I never, ever thought that I would have anything to do with an individual sport because I grew up playing team sports. But it was when the doctor, my back just kept getting worse. And it was pretty much the moment they said, you will never run again, that I was like, well, I'm going to do a triathlon because um, it just felt like it was that next progression for me. And I am very much a person who hates being told what I can and cannot do. So it's a great way to get me to do something is to tell me that I can't do it, um, to which my friends take massive advantage of in many a situation. Um, yeah, and I did a, a, a small country triathlon and then my first sort of proper triathlon was the Noosa Try. And once you do the Noosa Try, mm. I mean, there's there's no turning back. I did, however, think that every single triathlon from then on was going to be like the Noosa Try, mm. not realising just how big that event was uh, or still is if it goes ahead. Um, so, yeah, and that's how I fell in love with, fell in love with the sport. It was... I was up there with my best mate. We knew no one in the triathlon world, but I just felt a part of this bigger, greater family network type of thing. And yeah, I guess like everyone probably says, it's the people you meet along the way. Um, and that it's just constantly challenging challenging you. And I just, I love a challenge. So yeah, it just kept evolving. What year, what year was that? The Noosa one, the very first Oh seven. Seven, right? And I think, yeah. And from your from your first experience with your little country try to the Noosa one, <laughs> had you learned anything in your first experience as a triathlete to your second one? Did you actually go okay? Great question. Uh, I learned not to try and be the first person in the water because. I was the first one in the water at the country race and the last one out of the border because I had a panic attack. Um, yeah, because I was just like, go, 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 um, like, a, like a puppy in, in every aspect uh, because I did doggy paddles throughout that swim as well so I could breathe. Uh, so I guess pacing to an extent was something that I learnt pretty quickly. Um yeah, and then I guess with the Noosa Tri, it is very much – because it's so hectic, there's so many athletes, um, unless you are out the front very, very early, it's really hard to get around people because it's just jam-packed. So I learned that some events are meant to be just just fun. Um, yeah, I learned that very early on. But in saying that, then the next event, you know, you, you step up to a full distance or what have you, and then it's all serious stations again. But the swimming thing was definitely <laughs> my biggest lesson early on. Did, uh, your back, did your back improve over the journey? Um, yes and no. I had a lot of fluctu- fluctuations. Um, it, it definitely kept improving because two years later I did my first iron distance. So I did go from being told I couldn't run to then being able to do and I distance at Ironman Western Australia. Um, it was whether I would listen to the signals telling me that I needed to rest or stretch or see a physio or what have you. Um, yeah, it was all about managing it and I didn't always get it right. A lot of the times I didn't get it right and it would set me back for a little while. So talk to us about uh, the moment or point in time when you decided to start Wits Up from there. So falling in love with the sport, well, falling in love with any sport that I've been involved in since I was a teenager, it was just, it wasn't just about being a part or participating. I always found that, so in softball, I ended up being junior development officer and marketing media manager at the age of 16 or something um, because I just fall in love with it and want everyone else to fall in love with the sport that I'm involved in as well. Mm. So that's why I try and get out there and get more people involved. And the same thing happened in triathlon. So I was uh, obviously a triathlete and then I started coaching. Um, I was clearly, I love a chat, love a microphone in front of my face. So I approached one of the local triathlons and said, how does someone get into being um, an announcer and an event commentator? And they said, 
not many people want to do it. Not many people like <laughs> talking all day. Uh, so I pretty much just got the gig for asking because no one else would do it. And and then I started writing for a magazine. First, I was a personal trainer and I was just writing personal training articles. And, that, and then that evolved and I started going to events and doing interviews. Um, and then it was after I had interviewed this um, no-name, Caroline Stefan, only one of the biggest female athletes, biggest athletes on the planet at that point in time especially, um, cause it was about a year before the first Ironman Melbourne. So around 2011, I think ish, I had this conversation and I'd done this great piece with her. I thought it was the feature piece for the magazine for that edition. And she wasn't on the cover. It was a, a male athlete on the cover. And I, I innocently said to the boss, why, why is she not on the cover? And, and why don't we have many women on the cover? And his response was women don't sell magazines. And that's when the light bulb went off for me and I realised that I wasn't in the right place. I couldn't fight that sort of culture, I guess, um, alone in that position and I just thought, well, screw it, I'll do it myself. And that's where the idea – and I remember, I vividly remember being at my mate's house um, we're having a barbecue and for such a long time I was doing all these things, not really knowing where it was going, the commentating, the coaching, the writing – and then it just, it all just came together and that's where the idea was born. And we all pretty much celebrated at my mate's house, realizing that I knew what I was going to do, what I was meant to do. It's, it's a really great story. And uh, a lot of people will criticize from the other side of the fence about the way things are being done in their particular sport, whether it's triathlon or cycling or, or in work at business. And they're the ones who just sit and, and criticize. Oh. And then there's, you who have gone, okay, I see there's an issue here. I'm not going to sit and talk about it. I'm going to do something about it. And, and that's, that's a fantastic um, character to have. And, um, you, you know, you're so enthusiastic about what you're doing. And it's no wonder you've been, you know, really successful in promoting, you know, women in sport, in particular in triathlon. It's, it's really, you know, fantastic to sit back and watch how you've, how you've gone about it. So congratulations and well done. So the question, the question from that is how, how do you feel that you've gone since that day when you decided this is, this is the journey I want to be on? I want to, I want to, I want to get get women in more to the forefront that where they deserve to be in a sport that's dominated by males and most sports, whether it's cricket or or you know, besides netball, you know, most sports are dominated by men and, and triathlon is one of those sports. I mean, tennis is, is something, golf is something that where it can can compete equally. Um, you know, where where do you think you are in that journey and how's it gone? Um it's funny because I probably would have had a different answer a year ago before COVID and pandemics and whatnot. Um, I, I honestly, and I'm actually thinking this through now as I'm speaking, um, I don't think I've spent a lot of time over, because it's been about a decade um, since the idea. Um, I don't think I took enough time over that decade to really sit back and appreciate the things that I've done. It's only, I guess, now in this past year, I've had an opportunity to reflect um, and think about things and where I want it to go, uh, what direction, if I still want to go down that direction. Um, so I guess I'll answer it in, in two different parts. The first part is we, I, I do fully believe, and a year ago I don't think I would have answered, answered it this way, but I do fully believe that we've changed the landscape for women in triathlon. Um, peop it's really hard to appreciate it when you're so involved in it. Um, I guess even like, you know, if you look at, you know, training, you don't appreciate how much fitter you've got because you're doing it every single day. So you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, totally. and um, yeah, if I look back eight, nine years ago, um, women didn't have that platform. Um, and now not only do we obviously have the platform for them, but we've, um, we demand that other platforms raise the bar as well. So, and if they, if they're not giving uh, women the opportunity to get involved in the sport or highlighting women, uh, they get, 
they, they're called out. And it's not that I'm physically, you know, shouting out. They see what we're doing and realize that they have to do it. Otherwise they'll get left behind type of thing. So I do, I do really believe that we've, we have achieved that. Um, it's not to say that we can go, all right, laptops down, we're done, you know, get out of here. But I've seen a big change across many different platforms within the industry. And I think triathlon is, um, is so far ahead of many other sports. You just need to look at cycling, right? It's it's chalk and cheese. Triathlon, I feel like we're very privileged in triathlon in terms of equality in comparison to a sport, say, like cycling. Um, but that's where I see it, again, as an opportunity to be the leader. Like why, why can't triathlon still such a young sport? Why can't we be the leader so that other sports come to us, um, you know, as a template on how to do it type of thing? Um, where's it going to go next? I don't actually know. I've been doing a lot of thinking. Um, I don't know. I, I do look at sports like cycling and think, well, is there room for me or us to move into other sports and try to see if we can mix things up? Um, it's hard because I, let's be honest, I've not earned a whole lot. It's been successful, but I haven't earned a whole lot of money from doing this. And that was never my goal. Um, and cycling is probably even harder to earn a living as a, as a, as a feet. Well, obviously as an elite cyclist, elite uh, female cyclist, but as uh, a company reporting just on women, mm. you know? Um, so I don't know. I just, I'm trying to figure out where my passions lie now, you know? Um, I've had a kid. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I was going to say that was going to be my next question. I mean, what what sort of changes are you most proud of you know, specifically so far? And then I guess even if you don't know exactly where you want to go, what sort of changes are you really wanting to see happen next? In triathlon or yeah. just in general? We yeah. Could, you could go in general, but yeah. Do you know what's interesting? I don't know if you know this. Not many people do. Witsup is the only triathlon media platform in Australia. There's no magazines left. There's no other online platforms. There's people, um, say, for example, uh, Corrupt Vision, um, Glenn Murray, who who does a lot of media content, but he he's doing that for other, other platforms. But there's no sort of news media channel in Australia. And there's a big part of me that thinks, far out, that's incredible for us in terms of that we're still kicking. Um, but then there's a big part of me, a massive part of me, that's like what, what's happening to the sport? that there's no one talking about the men. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think about that. I think is there, um, and I don't want to say opportunity because that sounds opportunistic, but the sport that I love isn't getting the recognition outside of the swim, bike, run world. So, you know, is there something, do I owe it to the sport to try and build up triathlon, not just women in triathlon? I don't know. I would argue that um, there are tons more independent publications coming out now in terms, in the form of podcasts and YouTube channels slash brands. So yeah, um, one really positive thing, I mean, you said before that the quote from uh, your boss or whoever said, um, women don't sell covers, you know, and I would say, ask Lucy Charles Barkley if women sell now, you know, because her brand is the one of the biggest of triathlon in the world um, mm. from a broad perspective, you know, that YouTube channel, her just her whole brand has such a following um, and that mm. is a really positive step. Oh, definitely. And I mean, it, it's interesting. You say there's other channels um, and that's, that's the world that we live in right now is everyone has their, their own platform or their own channel or what have you. Um, but it's, yeah, news, like yeah, that's right. their news that ha- they have com- complete control over that. Um, yeah, it's int- yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And, and yeah, I guess a lot of it is that brand of athletes on Instagram. You know, each each pro athlete now has their own kind of brand where they have thirty thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand followers if mm. they're in the top kind of ten in the world uh, where they're reporting themselves. But you're right, it's not a kind of independent news source. Um, yeah. A little bit off topic, but let's just clarify what uh, WITSUP stands for because uh, we actually have said it a lot of times, but uh, not the acronym. So talk us through it. Well, it's really hard to come up with a name for a, for a brand or a company. And I was going through so many different ideas. Originally, I just wanted wit.com, womenintriathlon.com. But as it turns out, 
any three letter website is taken. Like so everyone's bought every single one so that if you need it, they'll charge you a, a ridiculous amount of money to purchase it. Um, and I was going through um, what I even kept, was thinking of like Greek goddess, you know, strong, powerful names. And it just, it wasn't rolling off the tongue for me. And then eventually I just came up with Wits Up, which stands for Women in Triathlon. Sup, which is so like I think it's funny, but I get a little bit embarrassed about it because it is silly. But I don't know, it kind of highlights my personality, which is a big part of what the brand is about, in that we we're serious about what we do, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, and I think you know, a lot of triathletes, uh, in particular, as you would know in this sport, need to uh, um, I, I don't know, adhere to that kind of saying. A lot of triathletes take themselves very seriously and I think a lot of triathletes need to chill, you know. So that's where I'm sort of coming from with it. No, I, <laughs> Have I, I convinced re- you? Oh, I really like that. I think that the <laughs> fact that it's congruent with your personality is is what it's about and um, there yeah. is, you're right, so much just in, in the world in general, um, things can be taken too seriously and any lightheartedness I think is always a good thing. That's my personal opinion. Uh, any more fun we can add in. So. Yeah. Talk us through uh, the, the amount of things that you do with WITSAP because if you look at your website, you've got you know your news, you've got your blog, um, you've got your interviews, your podcasts, you've got events, um, you commentate as well, so and you've got a team that helps you. So talk us through, you know, what's what, what's everything that's happening with WITSAP and what are you what are you really pushing for at the moment? So I guess originally it, it started like. An online magazine is how I always just referred to it. So it was all just written content. Um, I learned very quickly that I had to figure out how to use a camera because paying for photography was never going to happen for such a small business. So I had to get myself a camera and 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 learn. Um, so as that's grown and evolved over the years, um, imagery has been a big part of uh, the website as well and the the, the right type of imagery which is a whole other thing to you know (laughs) go down like in terms of you know when you take a photo of someone running actually can I just sidebar what I've learned from the difference between pro men and pro women and probably age group men and women pro or women on the run stride like to be um in the forward motion so their front leg is lifting up so their knees facing the camera so because you know, I mean, no one wants to look like they're landing because it just isn't aesthetically pleasing. Um, men, however, I've learned don't like that because that's when their quads are at their smallest. So they don't want, they want it when they're in the air, when they're at full extension so you can see all of their quads popping. Anyway, that's what I've learned over the years. Fact, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, so just it all started being written content. It was all about promoting the the women within the sport, the professional women, but also trying to get more women involved in the sport as well. Um, and that came through our branding and um, that sort of personality in terms of we're serious about what we do, don't take ourselves too seriously because that's a massive barrier for, for women especially coming into the sport is that it is seen as quite a serious, insane, intense kind of thing. Um, and also a lot of people think of triathlon as Ironman um, and forget that there's, you know, the shorter course stuff, but that's another barrier to entry. Um, but as the years evolved um, and I guess my skill set evolved, I wanted to go into videography. Um, years ago, we kind of started the little videos that came out of Kona and now every professional athlete's got their own videographer there. So I can't, I can't compete with that because they're focusing on one or two athletes and I've got to try and, you know, talk to every athlete, which is fine. Um, And then obviously the podcast um, has been running for a few years, which is probably one of my favorite things because I just love (laughs) chatting, but I feel you know, you speak to any athlete at an event, which we're typically at COVID aside, we're typically at a lot of events around the globe. There's only so much you get from professional athletes at an event, at a race, at a game, whatever. And, you know, triathlon wins on the day and rah, rah, rah kind of thing. And But a podcast, a long-form interview is where you really find out the nuts and bolts of who people are. And that's what I – that's what – 
that's what makes me excited. I like to to find out that kind of stuff. And I feel like I've got really good relationships with uh, the women across the globe, um, which didn't happen overnight, but that's come over years and years and years of working hard and them trusting me that I'm here to to do good in the sport. I'm not not about sensationalism or trying to throw anyone under the bus. I, I just want to tell stories that people want to hear or help tell stories. Um, so, uh, yeah, I miss the – we've hosted events over the years, which might be um, a lot of the times panel events, uh, which, again, I really enjoy doing that because people – um, in a panel tend to be a little bit more relaxed um, and the way that I host things, it's not a polished um, Q&A, it's a discussion uh, and then people feel comfortable asking questions from the audience. But I, I'm, I really miss doing that, something that's really missing from the, pan, um, from the pandemic. Um, so I, the next 12 months is going to be interesting because, um, yes, I'll be going to races across Australia as much as possible, um, but what it looks like from a COVID safe plan in terms of covering events changes daily, weekly. Um, so at the moment it's just about learning how to be pretty flexible um, and communication is key with athletes we want to speak to or event organizers there's a lot of workarounds happening at the moment and i think will be happening for quite some time because it all changes in a heartbeat mm -hmm. you've covered some really good topics there and uh, and you know we can't avoid what's happened with covid and the pandemic in the last year but it's been a lot of good things that have come about as mm. you mentioned earlier in the podcast um, just before about, uh, you know, giving more platform time because, you know, there's not a lot of events on. So people are searching for information about what's happening out there. And so, so that leads to the next question. You know, the podcasts that you've been doing with some of the, some of the real top elite, uh, triathletes of the world. Um, what are the, some, some of the, let's delve into some of the interviews you've had. And from your perspective, what, what have, what are some of the common themes, firstly, that you hear from, let's just pick on the elite women triathlete. What, what are the things that stand out when you're interviewing, you know, you've interviewed a lot of them. What, what are the one or two things that you could say, well, you've got the X factor that's going to make you, you know, a standout as a, you know, is it work balance? Is it, uh, you know, articulation? Is it attention to detail? What are the things that, that you've found? It's interesting. I, and it's not just because of the pandemic, but I think that's definitely helped highlight this. And it, you said the word balance, and that is definitely something that keeps coming up: is uh, balance and 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 juggling, and you know, figuring out what truly. How am I trying to say it? What I've learned from a lot of the professional women is that they they seem to perform better and this isn't all of them but this is a lot who I've spoken to they perform better when they're happy but trying to figure out what makes them happy outside of swim bike run and rest and mm. strength and conditioning or what have you what is truly making them happy um and when it's not results driven because of a pandemic what else keeps that ticking and making them happy and that that's a theme that seems to be coming up a lot some are finding the answers. Some are still trying to figure out the answers. Um, I spoke to one uh, just the other week and it feels like she's been, she goes through a cycle and she, she finds her happiness and then things start to go to shit again and she's evolving as a person and um, has to find her, her, her new level of um, balance, normalcy, mm. whatever. Um and then so she's probably gone through like three of those cycles in her life. But what I found interesting is that she could actually recognize it. I don't think everybody has the ability to be able to recognize those life cycles, whether you're an elite athlete or, or not. Um, what's been interesting, I guess, over the, the duration of the pandemic is um, the discussion or the topic over uh, elite women becoming pregnant because a lot you know, especially if you look at the Olympics, putting the Olympics off, you know, it's every four years, right? And I know that they race and train every in between those four years, but four years is a long time between the biggest event if that's if that's what you are focusing on. For that, for those goals to be shifted a year 
and you're wanting to have a second child or your first child and you are just hanging on, just hanging on to the end of the Olympics and then it gets shifted a year. That's, a year is a long time mm. in a woman's life who's, mm. you know, considering starting, starting a family. And so those themes have come up a lot um, over the yeah, duration of the pandemic. And it's actually, well, it's themes that we've been trying to discuss for years and years and years because I don't, I think it's, things that um, elite women are scared to talk about because there's also that, you know, there's sponsorships and are you open with your sponsors as to whether you want to start a family? Is it written into your contract? Um, There's just, there's so many things that I guess used to be taboo, but during the pandemic, a lot more people have been quite, quite open about discussing these things. Yeah, there's uh there's some interesting topics you've just raised there and the pandemic has certainly gave gave a lot of people perspective hasn't it and mm. and made them realize that geez maybe I, I'm on this merry-go-round as a professional triathlete with nothing else in my world um, and all of a sudden my world's stopped on me um, mm. and whether it's triathlon or or your business that's what's happened to everybody in the world with the pandemic but it really exposes you doesn't it as to um you're so focused on you know that summer period where you've got 20 races lined up where you're traveling you're, you're packing your bag and you're on a plane you don't know what city you're in you're, you know just doing another race and and you're so focused on it but when that's taken away from you then you're exposed aren't you to oh, what, have, what what have I got in my life again that besides this is that something that you've found has been kind of a, a moment that a lot of the, the female triathletes and then they've Obviously, what you're talking about just now is, you know, the other priorities in their life. Are they, are they 19, 20, 21, or are they 28, 29, 30, or are they 36, 37, 38? They're three different age brackets, which will mean different things to the female athlete compared to the male. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely been a constant discussion and, to, to to the same extent, I kind of felt a little bit like that as well, just because I used to travel the globe and that was that was a big payoff for my business. You know, I, we don't earn a whole lot of money, but I get to have these amazing adventures and travel the world. And then that was taken away from me and I'm questioning my worth and what, what are we promoting when there's no races? races? And, we, you know, like everyone else, we pivoted and we changed, you know, um, and you know, I, I took the direction of the things that I'm passionate about anyway, which is telling stories. But um, I feel like a lot of the, and I'm just saying the the women, because I haven't spoken to the men, I'm sure they have gone through some very similar things, obviously not wondering whether they can get pregnant. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they've experienced a lot of these kind of things as well. But because I just speak to the women, I will just speak on that. Um there's been it's been roller coasters, so they're okay with it for a while, and then you know Zwift have come in, and there's racing series that they can be a part of, so that that feeds that competitive urge. Yeah, so it, it um, like I was saying with Zwift, it, it feeds that competitive urge, but also I guess it relieves that stress level of how am how am I going to um, give a platform for my sponsors, you know, so there's all those, mm. you know, everyone's fighting for a dollar in this sport. Um, how, how do I, if I'm not racing, which is what I do, which is what I'm good at, how do I show support for my sponsors who are probably pulling back money as well because they've been affected. And so the, the stress levels have been very much up and down. And then I guess, um, as you would know, coaching people, you know, we start to see the light. Ironman New Zealand's a great example, or Geelong 70.3. We, we're set, we're ready to go, and then the world changes again and we have to recalibrate. Um, and, you know, particularly training for an Ironman, it can be quite a, you know, you're on you're on a razor's edge trying to get ready for that exact moment and then to change it. Um, mm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a coach anymore, but I can imagine that's that's tough to deal with, not just... Obviously, physically, but the the mental and the emotional stress from that is is quite high for an athlete. And then times that by ten for a professional athlete who makes a living from doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, so I think we've seen, and then um, I only just thought of this now, but even the ethical side of things, if we're looking at races that are happening, say, in the US, which is a hive of COVID, mm. where, like, I imagine asking yourself, oh, should I really be going to this race? Mm. Uh, at what cost am I going to this race? I know a lot of people didn't travel because they ethically they didn't want to because they didn't want to be seen to be potentially spreading this thing around, um, but also the risk of them having it and then having to quarantine when they came back or pass mm. it on to their family or, you know, things like that, mm. um, you know. And then so I then just sorry to make it about me, but then I start to think, well, what are we promoting? What, you know, what sort of ethical standards should we be adhering to in terms of promoting these events that should they really be going ahead? Uh, I don't know. I don't have the answers, but I certainly have a lot of questions. I really like the point you made about um, the ability to tell stories in a long-form interview and um, get get into the mindset of pro athletes who are going through these experiences and going through these challenges because when you hear uh, different people's stories about these challenges, whether it's COVID or whether it's just general challenges outside of COVID, uh, it really helps uh, feed down into everyone's personal experience of their life. And that's why we love telling stories on this podcast is because it applies to the age group of triathlete. You know, mm. not everything because you know, things that professional athletes do, not every age group it needs to do, even though a lot of age groupers try to train like a triathlete. <laughs> um, but what, what's what's a, some of the stories or a story that really stands out to you that you feel um, is a favorite of yours that does apply to the age group? And specifically, you know, if it's a female triathlete story that applies to um, the, the general female triathlete. Ooh, um, gosh, there's a lot. I think I wish I could say it was a, a feel-good story, but unfortunately it's not. The first thing that comes to mind is um, body image and eating disorder stories. Um, and, and I also, it's not just women specific. Uh, we've seen this in, um, I'm sure age group men. I don't, I don't know of any personally, um, but I also don't think it's probably spoken about enough. Like I'm sure it happens. You probably know people yourself. Um, but I, I guess I was first, I, it was before we had a podcast, but I was trying to start like some video um, chats and it was, they were only meant to be about 10 minutes. And I actually sat down with Jody Kunama, who was Jody Swallow at the time. And for whatever reason, she opened up about everything. And I was a blown away by the story and just what she'd gone through, but B really blown away by how comfortable she was with telling me the story it was like we forgot the cameras were there and we were just chatting and that's to me that's the the best way to do things um or the best way to get a story from someone um and it's that's when it really highlighted um those issues that exist and how important it is to tell those stories so that an age grouper or, or anyone out there who might be experiencing those same kind of issues can potentially stop things before it gets too, too dire. Um, unfortunately, I think we're always going to have these stories, um, but if it helps one person, then I still believe that, that it's worth talking about it. Um, I mean, that's a whole other mm. series of podcasts, isn't it? Um, and, Again, I spoke to another woman recently and it was this cyclical effect of an, an aggressive or abusive, not aggressive, abusive coach um, who would affect the way that she um, looked at food because she was worthless and the only time that she got praise was be when she lost a kilo before a race and actually did well and then she thought that was the only way to do things and it just... I don't know. And again, I don't know the answers um, other than talking about it so that people can hear that this isn't the way that things should happen. Um, and I don't know, maybe even seeing these discussions as a circuit breaker is the way I kind of envision it um, because it happens way too often. And what scares me the most, especially um, having a daughter who I hope is involved in sport, but having a daughter who um, you know, maybe one day, I don't know, she might be an astronaut. I've got no idea. She can be whatever she wants to be. But 
if she's in a situation and she can't recognize that she's being mistreated or being told the wrong things, that's what I want to be able to give to people is the information and the education to be able to make decisions so that they're not stuck in positions that they shouldn't be in. Um, I think about that that kind of stuff a lot. Again, um, don't know if that answered your question. It does, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Um, and the, it leads me to the next sort of question with, you know, the multitude of athletes who you've uh, interviewed and, and you know, as, as children looking at parents, children emulate parents good and bad, as you found out <laughs> a young mum and, and me watching my children grow up, you just are horrified at some of the things they repeat because they've seen you do it. And, um, and this is the same uh, age groupers, the point I'm trying to get across here, the age groupers who listen to our podcasts, um, you know, they're trying to get information about making themselves better at the sport they've chosen. That's basically what they're, they're trying mm. to do. They're trying to learn how to improve themselves. And whether that's going from, you know, a four-hour walk, run, marathon to a three-hour, 30 run all the way, that's a, that's a PB and that's kind of what they're after. So, so when you've interviewed these elite um, professional female triathletes, unfortunately, unfortunately or fortunately, those are representing um, what the age group was going to follow. And do you feel when you've interviewed these people of, of um, you know, whether they want it or not, they're in a position of res- responsibility do you feel we're represented well by the, the the elite female triathlete going forwards? That's a fantastic question. <laughs> yes and no. Um, in some respects, and I th- and again that this is where the, I think the podcast is really important because you can get stories and you can get insights and authenticity because. After a little while, people forget that they've got a microphone in front of their face and it just becomes a lot more real. At a race, when you, you know, they've got three minutes to tell a story, you, you just, you're just getting the byline. You're not, you're not getting much from it. Um, and that's where I think we get into trouble just telling those um, success stories or, you know, racing and things like that. That's where I think these the podcasts are important um, to. Yeah, to showcase stories that really can uh, can really have an impact. Yeah, because the, the age grouper is definitely watching and learning, just like the child with their parent. It's it's no different, and and you know they hang on every word. And if they know that someone, we've told the story on our podcast where you may have remembered where Rob DiCostello, It was a long time ago in the eighties long before your time, Steph, probably, uh, at the Commonwealth Games when he he had to go to the toilet and and he couldn't, in the middle of the race and the cameras were on him and it was the pointy end of the race and he had to go to the toilet and he dropped off the back of the Kenyan Ikanga. It's a well-known story, but he he went to the toilet in his in his green and gold shorts from Australia and uh, and then from that point on, every aid station, he'd grab a sponge and wipe, wipe his legs and and... From that point on, in every marathon for the next five years, marathoners would grab sponges and wipe their legs. And that's the sort of example I'm, I'm so, you know, the age grouper is hanging on every, every good and bad thing. Mm. You know, Sh- sharing the, um, what you're saying, Seth, as well, is sharing the negative as well as the positive is just as valuable. You know, the, the, the success stories are unbelievably motivating. They're so mm-hmm. good to hear. They they often get people really revved up to go for a goal and a challenge. But the negative stories do the same thing as well because you have to hear the bad and hear how people got through challenges and they're, they're just as important. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just as an example, you, you look at, and again, you, you would be well aware of this. Age groupers who are who are turning pro, and and most age groupers who I've spoken to have been in this position to turn pro, or the what is it, the pro age groupers or whatever. They just want to train more, and it's train more and train more and train more. But if you actually spend time with an athlete, which this isn't, it, it it's not a great story, but professional athletes rest, mm-hmm. so they don't add a whole bunch of hours on because they don't work a nine to five job. They spend that time resting and fueling correctly but that's not a that's not like an awesome cool story to tell is it so you don't see that on the youtube channels mm. you don't see that um at, a, at an event when um whoever's crossed the line and is talking about 
the amount of Ks she put in on the bike during training. And she doesn't go, yep, my success comes down to the fact that I've just been learning how to rest better and nap during the day. Like that's not, it's not, that's not fun. Mm. Um, Whereas having these kind of conversations, those things start to, you know, and if you, if you take it back to uh, the eating disorders um, and, and body images, that just doesn't, it doesn't come up in a short form interview or story or race report or what have you. Um, Yeah. I mean, and well, age group triathletes at the pointy end are always looking for those tiny one percenters aren't they and change yeah. changes yeah. that they make and you yeah. know that they, they look at the the top um uh triathletes on a bike and the tweaks that they've made to their bike and then all of a sudden they come to you and oh i've got to change this to my bike and forgetting that, that that's a process over time but you don't yeah. see that process you just see yeah. the the result yeah. of it um and it's 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 easy to forget that i i get it i i've been guilty of it myself absolutely yeah. Yeah. um is, is yeah. there- is there anybody talking about you know success stories? Is there anybody that you've seen really come from adversity and and have a, a battle a battle on their hands and and I don't mean triumph by being a winner. I don't mean that. I mean you know someone who's just had a raw deal um, handed to them with with injury or with whatever whatever adversity, but have have just kept going and. And come through it, and and being a really a better person and a leader um, for good, for good, you know, for showing showing the example of you know it is tough. It's not all easy. It's not all you know beers and skittles. There are you know there are tough periods. Because mm. hard to pinpoint one person. Um... I just keep thinking of Kelsey Withrow, who I just, it, and I think it's just because I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago, but I do just remember thinking, far out, you've been through the ringer and you still just triathlon to you as rainbows and unicorn. Like you still just love it. Um, mm. But And she's the one that I was talking about earlier who seems to have these cycles throughout her life where mm. things are good and then they come crashing down and then she realises that, what was making her happy wasn't necessarily, and she's just evolving as a human, not not just a triathlete. Um, but she she came from abusive coaching relationship, um, eating disorders, injuries, um, being thrown in the deep end of the sport, and not having the support that she needed. Um, mm. Being put, this is what blew my mind, and I'm sure it happens all the time, but. She, she basically reported an abusive coaching relationship and then the next step from the governing body was to have a meeting with that coach and this young woman in a room all together. And you don't need to know, I mean, watch a mo- movie that's got domestic abuse or you don't need to know much about abuse to know that that is probably the worst thing you can do. Um, so just dealing with those kind of things and... Um, she, oh, I can't remember what quote it was, but essentially she'd done, let's just say, a hundred races, and had never been on the podium. It was still just ticking away, and then eventually it all clicked, and she started podiuming or winning. Uh, she's not one of the biggest athletes in the world, um, in in terms of exposure or you know top tens in Kona or anything, but she's she's an athlete that I think could have quit quite a few times and decided that the love of swim, bike and run was far greater than the adversity that she'd uh, had over time. The other one is uh, Karen Smyers, who, you know, is one of the greatest triathletes that the sport has seen, but is so easily forgotten because she comes from that um, uh, Laurie Bowden, Paula Newby-Fraser kind of era where where they're bigger names because they've won Kona quite a few times, but her story is incredible and she's been through the ringer. And we, I happened to start the podcast and like you guys sort of did as well, like let's just hit record because we're already talking. And I hit record straight away and thank God I did because the first 15 minutes is about her telling me that she'd been coughing up blood and now has this heart condition and that's the only, you know, this is the reason why she stopped racing pro and she's 60-something, like just blows my mind um Mm. and i always i quite often think about the chicken and the egg did triathlon 
sort of create some of these problems or did triathlon help you through these problems physically and mentally and emotionally? And I don't think there is an actual answer, but mm-hmm. it's an, I think it's an interesting question. Was there something that Kelsey said helped her get through that adversity specifically? Because it's a, it's a big leap to go through that and then just say, no, I still love triathlon. Yeah. Oh God. I don't think I actually even asked that specific question. I wish I had now. Thank you. Yes. You can have a job on the Wits Up podcast. A lot of the themes, a lot of the themes, Steph, would be, I would say, the ones with adversity, it would be passion, wouldn't it? They just love what they're doing. That would be the common theme, wouldn't it? I think to be successful in this sport, you have to be. You know, you have to be passionate about it. Um, <laughs> I just think about. For example, the Australian, this is just discussions I've had of late, the Australian Open, right? A a few of the athletes were complaining that they were locked up beforehand, um, which was not not great being obviously from Melbourne and being locked up. (laughs) Yes. But I thought about it and I was like, we work in an industry where the fastest athlete over – well, let's just say nine hours for the women, eight hours for the men it, on the hot, like on the sun in Kona wins is $125,000. I think it is at the moment. I can't, I kind of remember, but that that's the, that's the biggest race of the year, right? H- historically speaking, the Australian open, those athletes who were locked up for two weeks could have s- stepped foot on, you know, in the arena lost every single point and got paid a hundred grand. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, yeah. It, it's so funny. I used that exact example. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> People, <laughs> in 1988, the prize money for the Ironman was $4,000. For the Australian <laughs> Open Tennis was 400000 the same That's- year. Great. This is crazy. Saying, Are you happy with the sport you chose? I said, no, I've chosen the wrong sport. <laughs> yeah. But that's but not it's... true. I chose the right sport because I loved that. I was passionate about that. And the money was, you know, it would have been great. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, to, to get, but it was just, I, the irony for me was how much does a triathlete train? And I know tennis players train hard. I'm not criticizing yeah. that, but there's an unbelievable imbalance here. Um, absolutely it's just, it's proof that you have to be passionate about the support the sport to be successful yeah yeah this has been a great chat steph uh to finish off um and dad i'll let you ask another question if you have one but um what what would you like to see uh for example um males in the sport do to help and you've mentioned a couple of times that you don't you know you haven't interviewed the males you don't talk about them i don't think that justification is necessary because your your thing is women in triathlon so you don't need to equally talk about the men you know your role is to help bring up women in triathlon we have seen ourselves a uh, increase each year on the amount of uh, females signing up to coaching um, i think mm-hmm. that is increasing in terms of participation in the sport um, but there is still a big gap and it's not not necessarily anyone's fault, but how can we help or what, what, what would you want to see the general public do or people do to uh, promote women in triathlon, promote participation, uh, promote more comfort, any of those factors? Can, can I turn the question around for just a second? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Can't help it. This is what I do. Yeah. But I, what I'm interested to know because, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trivelo works a lot with the 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 – higher end athlete is that right who are trying to know yeah i'm glad you asked that because that is a big misconception we get a lot we have to clarify with people okay um, i think because we have a lot of good athletes but um well, no, we, it's so true George. They, yeah. they might start off mediocre and they end up being really good ah. which is what we're trying to achieve and we would love to have everybody as a beginner because our goal is to one make them happy doing their sport two see that they're improving Yep. We don't care whether they're beginners, intermediate or, or elite. It doesn't matter to us. Yep. Everyone's got their own PB that they're working towards. So so with, with that being said, I'm interested to know because in my experience, um, and this might come across a bit wrong, but, but men have a great way in this sport of justifying things. So they can justify spending more money on a new set of wheels, can justify spending a lot more money on whatever it is. Whereas 
uh, and this is again just my experience. It might be different for you for you guys. Women don't tend to be able to justify as easy putting that money into upgrading equipment or, or whatever it might be. But as you've seen your the, the own women under Trivelo evolve and and get better and you know start to get towards that pointy end of the age group field, have you seen that change in their mindset in terms of um, justifying is not quite the right word, but you know, putting putting time and you know we put so much time into training and stuff. But what about all the other things as well that can help you become a better athlete? It it also depends on the individual person because we sure have athletes of both um, genders are wanting to upgrade and and not wanting to upgrade. And uh, Dad, I'm sure you'll have an answer for this in terms of um, it's your choice. You know, it depends how much you want to um, spend to get better. You don't have to have a fourteen thousand dollar time trial bike to improve. You know, especially the more beginner you are starting, the less you need that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Um, but Dad, I'll let, I'll let you input that as well. Yeah, it's a great question, Stefan. It's funny you've turned this whole thing around to interviewing us. You? You're very skillful. But <laughs> to quickly just answer the questions before we let you go, but, but definitely there is a point, whether it's male or female, where they all of a sudden um, have gone from inquiring to, to be a triathlete uh, what, what's involved here? You know, especially when we get the beginners, it's it's all a lot of questions. What what do I have to do again? Oh, I have to buy a new bike. I have to buy a Garmin. I have to buy um, riding shoes, running shoes. How much is it going to cost me? So so there is a point where they either decide I'm all in mm. or I'm not, and and that seems to be more a decisive thing than um, whether I'm good enough to do this sport. It's it's kind of um, Ah, I don't know whether I'm serious enough to do uh, entries that are nine hundred dollars or seven hundred mm. or five hundred. I don't know if I'm good enough to travel to Port Mac or, you know, oh, I just want to do the local sprint. Um, you know, so so there's all this information they're getting first up, uh, whether they're male or female. That 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 we actually say right at the beginning is this is what this is this is what you need to do to to actually get yourself into this sport, and it's not a cheap sport. By mm. any means, it's you know you, you go and you join an athletes club. What do you need? A pair of runners and possibly a Garmin watch. Um, but to do a triathlon, oh my god! From the wetsuit to the form goggles to the you know to the, the flippers to the the pool entry to the bike to the new bike to the Garmin to the heart rate meter to the power meter to the better wheels. On and on it goes, and before you know, you've spent ten grand setting yourself up for a for a sport that pays nothing. Um, <laughs> so so it's really not much. There's, there seems to be not about am I able or good enough to do this sport it is um, I, I don't know enough about the sport to, mm. you know, I'm, I'm so behind in oh, I didn't realise I needed all that equipment. I, I didn't realise I needed to know so much about how to do the event, you know, whereas at the intention at the beginning was not that, but it's evolved to be that, mm. and and that's what they focus on more than their than their competency, I think. Um, and and I think a lot of the female triathletes are really turned off by all of that technology and equipment, and uh, I can't be bothered with that. I just want to compete. I just want to go and you know swim and bike and run and on my clunker and you know. But I'm a little bit feel um under pressure because everybody i look in the compound has all the equipment and mm. i'm embarrassed because i don't um i think that's a major factor in in who's doing the sport and who's being prevented from doing the sport yeah and it's up to us to continually break that down and yeah switch off that triathlon jargon and no, because you can actually go and do a triathlon just a local triathlon on your neighbor's bike, throw some shoes on. You just need to look at the kids. I reckon the kids are a great place to start because, I mean, there's a few kids turning up with a road bike but and an aero helmet. I've seen it. I've taken photos of it. But you see them doing it and they're like, oh, what, what do I wear? Okay, I'll just wear my bathers the entire time. All right, who cares? They don't care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, my first triathlon, I was a teacher at a school and I didn't have a bike. I had a commuter thing and one of the kids I taught his family were into track racing and road bikes and 
He said, yeah, borrow my, my bike, Mr. Donnelly. I said, great. So I took it down to Frankston and got out of the water and the bikes were on the ground in 1981 at the Frankston Triathlon with the, uh, with the 45 people who were doing it and, and you had a bucket of water. And, and anyway, I grabbed the bike and took off and got to Seaford and realised this wasn't my student's bike, this was someone else's bike. So that's an example of, you know, doing your first triathlon with nothing and I was having a ball with it. It was such an experience and that's the thing we need to get back to is, yes, you know, it is fun to go fast and be successful and improve, but the fun part is that the actual event yeah. Uh, yeah. Answer so. your original question. We enjoy helping the more <laughs> beginner person uh, because they've got so much room for improvement. Mm. So um, it's just it is so fun to see someone come start from scratch. And we've had great experiences last year of people picking up triathlon training in COVID, not knowing a thing. And Dad, we've been shocked at how how much people have learned over the last year about triathlon. So. I think we're, we we as a sport really need to take advantage of the fact that people were riding and running a lot during COVID times and turning them into triathletes for sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know what you asked me before. (laughs) Sorry. You turned it around beautifully. Well, do you have any, do you have any final thoughts on, um, on any topic we spoke about today? Anything you'd like our listeners to get anything you'd like us to know about women in triathlon? Well, first of all, I would love to host an event, a triathlon event where it is old school. So correct me if I'm wrong, but back in the day, before Garmin's everything, when we used to have the Casio watches, right? I've been rocking this bad boy for quite some time and everyone in the triathlon world gives me grief about it. Um, but where, yeah, there's no no fancy timing chips and stuff. You've got to write down your name when you come out of the swim and all that kind of stuff. You're not allowed to have aero anything. You've got to do it in budget. I want to bring back a race like that. And it's just, it's called the retro triathlon and just bells and whistles, leave them at the door and let's just go and race hard. I would love to do that. That's the first thing I wanted to say. I reckon as a novelty, it would take off. Wouldn't it? I I think it is. And people would come with the most ridiculous fluoro nonsense Oh, it'd be great. It'd can be I, great. Can I tell you, Strata Bianca, the race that was just on the weekend, a mm. cycling race, that's how that event started. It was oh. a retro event on the dirt roads in Italy. And people were coming dressed in all sorts of fancy gear in the, you know, penny farthings and and now look at it, it's one of the best pro races in the world. But but that's that's kind of what we're saying, isn't it? Yep. To add on to that, I will say that one of my favorite photos in the world is a photo of dad crossing the finish line, Australian champion, and he is wearing a white singlet and these things called fancy pants and they're fluoro running shorts. Um, <laughs> and I reckon we should bring those back, to be honest. <laughs> totally. Yeah, like the where the guys wear the little crop tops, like the, yeah. um, what was it, the uh, Tui's Blue series and, yeah, all that kind exactly. of stuff. Bring it back. Yeah. Bring That's it fun. back. And hard racing. So... Let's get them going up hills and, you know, so we some, see some athletes having to push the bike up, you know, yeah. walk a bike up yeah. there. Um, I guess Matthew Flinders at Ironman Oz does that. But um, that's, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. There are some insane races out there already, but I remember doing a race in Reunion where it was 36 degrees at the beach when we swam. And then when I started riding up this hill and I had no idea because we'd just flown in where the course was. And when we got to 1,000 metres at altitude, the guy in the car behind me starts giving me the newspaper to put down my crop top yeah. singlet because it was nearly snowing up there. Oh and, my gosh. And I was in Speedos and a crop top singlet and descending, you know, just shaking like this the whole way down back to 36 degrees. So, yes, there are some extreme races that, uh, and look, I'll never forget that race because it was mm. just ridiculously too hard. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the time I rode up Mount Wellington. Uh, because I'm originally from Tassie and yeah, it was like 20 degrees. It was beautiful in the city. And then I forgot it could snow on the mountaintop and I was just in a jersey and shorts. Uh, Yeah. Someone had to bust me down because I was. Jesus. Yep. Um, But anyway, so uh, wits up women in triathlon. Um, I don't know. I guess like anything in the world right now um, where you know, uh, in in all industries across many different topics, the topic of equality, you know, whether it be race, gender, what have you, continues to come up. 
Um, I guess for, for me, it's really important to be doing a lot of listening um, and supporting of other people. And I think that's the only way, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of sick of shouting for, for, for women in sport. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit exhausted, to be honest. Um, we just recently had International Women's Day and my whole thing was I'm taking the day off because I do this every other day of the year. Um, everyone else can shout about it for a day and I hope that that obviously goes throughout the year. But, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I just would really like to get to a place where Wits Up doesn't have to exist uh, that that would be fantastic, but I feel like there's still a lot of learning to hap- uh, to happen. Um, there's a lot of <clears throat> it's not it's not that people are aggressively sexist or what have you. It's not like people who host events are like I don't care about the women. I'm not going to do this. It's more that they haven't thought about the women and therefore they get left behind, you know, on certain things. And that could be as simple as some of the cycling races that we've seen where women have had to stop their race because it affected the men's race in cycling I'm talking about. Mm. Um, So that's where it's just really important to be listening and having more women involved where decisions are being made. Um, And, and I guess men knowing that they're not taking away from them. It's about them joining and trying to, you know, a bit, a little bit of unity would be fantastic. That was way bigger than just women in triathlon but you know what I mean like it I just think that's across the board that's what has to happen as a human race yeah it's a great answer and as always it's not not trying to be a competition it's not a um a versus thing a male versus female it shouldn't be that like you just said it's about um the whole sport trying to grow together Mm, I think so Thanks very much, Steph, for jumping on. Really appreciated this chat. Uh, the last 15 minutes has just been very casual, but um, it's very great. We love we love having these kind of chats. Um, people can find you uh, at witsup.com or listen to the Witsup podcast. Uh, any other places you want them to find you, Instagram? Or just look for Witsup on any platform, really. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty easy to find because <laughs> of the name. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone <laughs> remember the name now after the story you told. Well, thanks yeah. so much for joining us. We really appreciate you having you on and uh, we'll hopefully have you on again soon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Steph.